Jesus, you're worthy. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the price that you paid for us and we can come and celebrate you and celebrate what you've done. And Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for being here with us. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning as we hear your word. God, speak to our hearts. God, have your way in us. Let us leave this place changed because of what you've done in us. God, we love you. We give this time to you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, say with me. Say with me. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God are all we need and we need each desperately. Amen. Amen. Let's Let's open the Word of God to chapter 20 of 1 Samuel. We left... We left David uh, in uh, Naoth and Ramah, just north of Jerusalem last uh, week or two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, I guess. And uh, he had seen quite a deal. Samuel had seen quite a deal. We see that that, uh, Jonathan protects David from Saul. Saul's out to kill David. Mikael saves David, and then we see that uh, David's own intuitiveness. I couldn't say that word two or three weeks ago. I couldn't find it for nothing. And when I was driving home, it popped in mind. Intuitiveness, to just the awareness to know that you need to be watching out for that crazy man sitting over yonder with a spear in his hand. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? If you walk into a a large room, a a palace, a a king's court, and you look across the way and there's an old guy with a spear in his hand staring you down. Pretty good idea to keep an eye on that boy. And sure enough, uh, David uh, was able to duck. He had the spiritual gift of spear ducking. And, And he was able to avoid being speared. And the term is pinned to the wall. And so this is real live uh, WWW going on here, worldwide wrestling or whatever you would say. And so now we pick it up in chapter 20. Today's lesson is about loyalty, loyalty. This is a very important thing. Matter of fact, you can, I think, reason how important loyalty is to us when you realize how painful, how problematic betrayal is. Up there on the list of things that really hurt, things that cause great grief, I I, I do believe that loss of loved ones obviously is way, way up at the top. But close second is betrayal. Betrayal. It is very difficult to deal with betrayal because it's so painful. It's so hard to understand. It's so hard to reason. And, and the reason why there's betrayal is just like with the loss of a loved one. The reason why there's grief is because there was love. And then you lose a loved one and the grief is experienced because of the loss of the loved one. And so there is 
there is a solemn pact made between two people, either husband and wife or friends, partners committed to each other, teammates, whatever, whatever the solemn pact is, there is some kind of agreement that's made between them and, and the values of loyalty pay dividends. And it's a good thing to have loyal people to use. We talked about it's very important that all of us have that God-sent friend to us. That person that's going to have our back. That person's going to support us. That person's going to keep us accountable. That person is going to challenge us. That person is going to say to us, we are wrong when we need to be told we are wrong. That is of great value to us in life. We've got to have that. You need to, you need to seek that. You need to be open to the Lord for the Lord to send you those people and you need to be open to those kinds of people in your life because loyalty is a real important um, quality for us. We got to have loyal people around us. And when that loyalty is betrayed, it hurts. It's painful. A husband walks away from a wife. A wife walks away from a husband. Brothers and sisters no longer speak because of an issue. My cousin just passed away in England about three weeks ago. And it's, there's three uh, siblings in the family. And, and uh, the two others that are still with us don't talk to each other. It's a painful thing that they're all going through. And it magnifies when they go through with the loss of their sister. My cousin Debbie passed away. And now, you know, that, that, that problem, that betrayal, whatever it was, it was something that they don't even know what it was anymore. But it, it has caused such hurt and pain. Betrayal. And, and I probably, I think it's a safe bet for me to say here today, there's not one of us here that hadn't been betrayed. We've been betrayed. We've been betrayed by loved ones. We've been betrayed by friends. We've been betrayed by family. You've been betrayed by church people. It's hard when you're betrayed, betrayed by church people. It's hard. It's difficult. And so loyalty is very, very important. A young lady explained to me the other day, and, and it rang with me so loud, and I said, please don't repeat what you just said to me because I want to preach a sermon on it. And I want you to think it just came from me, which it did. And I don't know why I say stuff like that because obviously it didn't. It's too, it's too brilliant to have come from me. It's either from the Lord or from this uh, young lady. Here's what she said. I have learned that on the streets you got to watch your back. But in the church, people have your back. Let me read it to you again because there wasn't an awe. Because I know there's an awe here. On the street, if you're living on the streets, if you're living the street life, if you're, uh, you know, if you're hustling to stay to survive, if you're doing all those street things that people do on the streets, you got to always watch your back. But when you are plugged into a body of believers and you're going to church and Jesus begins to change your life and, and you're in that spiritual dimension in the church, people have your back. 
Aha. I knew I didn't explain it well enough to get the proper aha. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? We are to be loyal. We're to be the place where we have each other's back. We don't stab people in the back. We don't slander people behind their back. We don't cheat people behind their back. We have their back. We don't gossip about people behind their back. That's not the way we are. That's the way the world is. That's the way the streets are. That's not the way we are to be. Because we are to be loyal. Somebody talks about your past, you tell them, be quiet. Don't talk about my pastor like that. I'm loyal to my pastor. Someone talks about someone in your church group, your small group in an unkind way. Say, don't talk about them like that. They're, they're my brothers and sisters. If, if you have talked bad about someone who goes to church with you this past week, repent. Repent. That's disloyal. That's betrayal. If you've had unkind thoughts about others in the body of Christ this week, repent. That's being disloyal. If you spread gossip, repent. That's disloyal. If you have refused to forgive someone, repent. It's disloyal. We are to be loyal to God the family. Husbands, you are to be loyal to your wife. Wives, you are to be loyal to your husband. You stood before God, before friends, before family. You stood in a justice of peace room. You stood in a courtroom. You stood under an oak tree. You stood beside a lake, beside a river, in the mountains. You stood somewhere and you said, till death do us part. You need to be loyal to that solemn pact that you made. It's God's plan. It's God's way. It's what God delights in. Betrayal. 1 Samuel chapter 20. Now, my question as we begin to read through about David here in this lesson is, and we're going to get more and more of this as we go through is, where in the world did the giant killer go? Where is that fresh faith, young man, full of courage and fight? And he was willing to go face Goliath with a slingshot and five smooth stones. Where in the world has he gone? Well, he's melting down. That's what happens in life. This is real life. Man, when you read through the scriptures and people talk about the Bible is not relevant, they have no idea what they're talking about. First Samuel chapter 20 is relevant. It matters. It's important. It's life today. It's life today. David now fled from Naoth and Ramah and found Jonathan. He went looking for the only one that was in his life from David's perspective that he could count on. He could count on Samuel, and next is Jonathan, right? 
he goes and he finds Jonathan and he says to Jonathan, what have I done? What is my crime? How have I offended your father that he is so determined to kill me? David is melting down. Now, that's real life. That's what happens. That's what happens after a victory. That's what happens after a real emotional high. That's what happens after a youth camp. That's what happens after a mission trip. That's what happens after a marriage. Jim Bob and Sally Sue get married. Oh, it's beautiful. She just looks beautiful in her dress. He shaved, he shaved combed his hair. He looked nice. Moms and dads are all proud. Everybody's happy except the bride's dad because he's broke now because he spent too much money on the wedding. They have the little festival. They have the little reception, and everybody's just so excited for them. They go off on a honeymoon. They go to Rowena, Texas, and stay in the bread and breakfast there. It's honeymoon on a budget, but they're so happy. They eat the muffins in the morning, eat the, eat the hamburgers at lunch, and before every meal, they just said how wonderful it is to be married, that they just can't have their, they just can't get enough of each other. It's sugar plum and snookums and lovey-dovey and sugar bear. And, and, and three or four weeks go by, they're back home, they're getting ready to go to work. She looks at him and said, will you get out of the way? I got to put my makeup on. And she said, would you mind not using the bathroom until I'm gone? You stink up the whole house. I'm sick and tired. I don't know if I'm going to live with this. And he goes, well, I'm sick of all your makeup everywhere. You know what's happened? The honeymoon is over. The real work begins. Now, David's had somewhat of a short honeymoon, but he rode into town, walked in town hearing all the ladies play their tambourines, remember that? Saying, my David, we love you, we adore you, we just want you to be our king. Saul's killed his thousands, but you, David, you've killed tens of thousands. And yet, the next three chapters, we see Saul attempting to kill David, throwing spears at him. He's working a conspiracy, he's put a hit out on him, and, and David is spiraling down. He needs loyalty. We need loyalty when we're spiraling down, when we're melting down, when we've lost that fresh faith, when we've lost that faith and courage that would lead us to be able to stand up before the great giant Goliath and slain. We need loyalty around us. We need someone to stand beside us and support us and say, believers got to believe. Believers got to believe. Come on, David. Believe God and move forward. David, if God has indeed chosen you to be the king, move forward in faith. Don't quit. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't have a pity party. If God has said He will not forsake us, He will never leave us, He will always be there for us. If we believe that God is still on His throne, then why in the world do we melt down? It's because we're people. 
and we struggle. And we need to be reminded. We need to be supported. We need to have loyal people in our life that reminds us of what we need to be reminded of. That David melts down in verse 1. In verse 2, we see loyalty in action. That's not true, Jonathan, in protest. You're not going to die. He always tells me everything he's going to do. He's speaking about his dad, Saul. Even the little things, I know my father wouldn't hide something like this for me. It just isn't so. Jonathan's loyalty in action. Now, Jonathan doesn't know. He doesn't know what we know. He doesn't know what David knows, right? Jonathan believes what he's telling David. He believes that his dad is not out to kill David, but that's not true. He's going to find out in this chapter that he's wrong about that. But we see loyalty in action. Loyalty detests loudly. It, it, it protests vehemently. I mean, just, it just comes out and it's going to protect and, it, and it's going to support. And that's what you have here. And then you see loyalty's effectiveness in verse 3. Then David took an oath before Jonathan and said, Your father knows perfectly well about our friendship. So he has said to himself, I won't tell Jonathan why should I hurt him, but I swear to you that I am only a step away from death. I swear it by the Lord and by your own soul. And so we see here, Loyalty's effectiveness. We see how valuable loyalty is to us. David knows that the loyalty that Jonathan has towards him is keeping Saul from telling him his true feelings about David. And so Saul sees the impact of loyalty. You know you got a real loyal friend when they don't hear bad things about you. You know why? People done found out they're not open to bad things about you. They're loyal. They're not going to hear. But if there's someone that always seems to be able to come around and say, you won't believe what so-and-so said about you. Let me tell you something. Be careful of that one. Be careful of that one because that one is open to hearing bad things about you. And if they bring you a juicy piece of gossip that someone's saying about you, or they bring to you a slander, if it's not, you know, if it's just routine, it's all the time, you need to be real careful of that one. Because that one is willing to betray you quickly. They may say they're loyal to you. You may think they're loyal to you, but they're not. They're not. Loyalty is effective. And then you see David's position. Now, once again, where did the giant slayer go? David says, and rightfully so. He is, he is correctly assessing his situation. I swear to you that I'm only a step away from death. David is only a step away from death. David, you were only a step away from get death out there in the valley of Elah against Goliath. That was nick and tuck. I mean, you know, you slayed him and it worked out and, and God delivered you, but, but on your own here, you're in the same spot 
Why all of a sudden is it just overwhelming you? Where has your faith gone? Then we see in verse 4, loyalty defined. Jonathan says to David, he hears David out. He hears that David is, is really, really melting down. He sees and he knows that, that David is on thin ice, that he believes that he is just a step away from death. And Jonathan exclaims to him, tell me, what can I do to help you? That's loyalty. That's loyalty. Get in the practice of saying that and meaning that. Look, look to the person sitting by you and practice this and look at them and say, tell me, what can I do to help you? Do that for me right now. Do it out loud. What can I do to help you? Tell me, what can I do to help you? 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 Tell me, what can I do to help you? Amen? Amen. When, when people are loyal to you and you're loyal to them, there's going to be some kind of conversation like that. All right, you're in a bad spot. You're in a bad way. Things are not working out. Things are uneasy. This is a real problem. Tell me, what can I do to help you? Jonathan is telling David, David, I'm in the ditch with you, man. I'm in the ditch with you. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm on your side. I'm willing to go through whatever we go through together. I'm not going to walk away from you. I'm not going to betray you. I'm not going to turn my back on you. I am here for you. Tell me, what can I do to help you? You need to be saying that to your friends. You need to be saying that with your family. Among God's people, brothers and sisters of the Lord, that kind of conversation needs to be going on and followed through with. We might say it, but if we don't follow through with it, that's, that's not loyalty. How can I help you? Well, you can help me by such and such. I'll, I'll do that. I'll get around to that. With no intention is not loyalty. But to sincerely mean and say, tell me, what can I do to help you? David has a loyal friend. It's more than a solemn pact. It's more than just words. It's real. And then you see the rest of the story, and we're going to kind of go through this pretty quickly. Verse 5 says, David replied, Tomorrow we celebrate the new moon festival. I've always eaten with the king on this occasion, but tomorrow I'll hide in the field and stay there until the evening of the third day. If your father asks where I am, tell him I ask permission to go to Bethlehem for an annual family sacrifice. If he says, fine, you will know, you know all is well. But if he is angry and loses his temper, you will know he is determined to kill me. Show me this loyalty, my sworn friend. For we made a solemn pact before the Lord, or kill me yourself. Verse 
Verse um, 8, powerful. Or kill me yourself if I have sinned against your father, but please don't betray me to him. So we see the first of three renewals of loyalty in this story. Renewal of your loyalty is extremely important. Extremely important, fellas, gals, folks, that we say to our Lord, God, I love you. I believe I am faithful over and over and over. That's called worship. That we continually acknowledge to God that we believe, that we trust. And we show that by our words and by our lives. To our families. It's very important that we have this conversation on a regular basis. Renewal of loyalty. I'm yours. I'm, I'm in love with you. Remember 33, 34 years ago, we said that we would be faithful till death do us part. I'm still on board with that. I'm still keeping that commitment. I'm still loyal to your friends. I want you to know that we've been friends a long time and you mean a lot to me. I got one of those phone calls yesterday. It meant a lot to me. Dude, I want you to know that, that, that you mean a lot to me, that you have been a blessing to me. And I was able to reciprocate that. It's a wonderful thing when you have people that verbally say, I want you to know, brother, I want you to know, Lee, that, that we are friends, that, that we have a solemn pact with each other. It renewed my spirit. It encouraged me. I'm so thankful I can count on this guy. I'm so glad he knows he can count on me. No matter what happens, we're together. We're partners. We're brothers. We're going to support each other. And, and you see this renewal of commitment. David's in a pinch. He's in a bad place. And, and that's what's going on here. Jonathan responds to that, to that question, to that call. He says, never. You know that if I had the slightest notion my father was planning to kill you, I would tell you at once. Then David asked, how will I know whether or not your father is angry? Verse 11, come out to the field with me, Jonathan replied. And they went out there together. Then Jonathan told David, I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, that by this time tomorrow or the next day at the latest, I will talk to my father and let you know at once how he feels about you. If he speaks favorably about you, I will let you know. But if he is angry and wants you killed, May the Lord strike me and even kill me if I don't warn you so you can escape and live. May the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love. Even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the earth. And so Jonathan is saying, if things turn upside down here, if things go stray here, David, will you be faithful to my family? 
Will you be loyal to this commitment that we have? Will it transcend our relationship? And will you bless my people? Will you not hold the sin of my dad against my people? So Jonathan made a solemn pact with David saying, may the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again. So you see it again. To affirm the vow of friendship, a renewal, a reminder, we're together. We are faithful to each other. We are loyal to each other. Extremely important. And, and that is not a conversation that many people have on a regular basis. But it needs to be. It needs to be a renewal of our faith, of our commitment to each other. <clears throat> Verse 18, Then Jonathan said, Tomorrow we celebrate the New Moon Festival. One time a month, everybody would get together. All the king's people would come together and would eat with him on the New Moon. You will be missed when your place at the temple table is empty. The day after tomorrow, toward evening, go to the place where you hid before and wait there by the stone pile. I will come out and shoot three arrows to the side of the stone pile as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy to bring the arrows back. If you hear me tell him they're on the side, then you will know as surely as the Lord lives that all is well and there is no trouble. But if I tell him, go farther, the arrows are still ahead of you. So in other words, if he shoots even with the stone pile, all's good. If he shoots beyond the stone pile and he has to tell the young boy, you got to go further to get the, get the arrows, then you know things are not good. Then it means that you must leave immediately for the Lord is sending you, you away. And may the Lord make us keep our promises to each other for he has witnessed them. So another renewal of their friendship. So David hid himself in the field. And when the new moon festival began, the king sat down to eat. Now, one side note to this. If you're going to sit down with the king, you can't be ceremonial and clean. Okay? So with David being absent from the meeting, then, you know, he, Saul would just think he's ceremonial and clean. He sat at his usual place against the wall with Jonathan sitting opposite him and Abner beside him, but David's place was empty. Saul didn't say anything about it that day, for he said to himself, something must have made David ceremonial unclean, ceremonially unclean. But then David's place was empty again. The next day, Saul asked Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse been here for the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan replied, David earnestly asked me if he could go to Bethlehem. He said, please let me go, for we are having a family sacrifice. My brother demanded that I be there, so please let me get away to see my brothers. That's why he isn't here at the king's table. Yep, a lie. Verse 30, Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. You stupid son of a horrible woman. 
He swore at him. And you can probably think about what that would, those words would be in our day. Rightfully so. That's the words would be. He is upset beyond description at Jonathan. Do you think I don't know what you want him to be a king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? As long as that son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. But why should he be put to death, Jonathan asked his father. What has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. Saul's not a good shot with that spear. But he's sure throwing it. And I guess he figures after a while he's going to hit somebody with it. Jonathan left the table in fierce anger. Can you imagine father-son relationship just corroding like that? And refused to eat on the second day of the festival, for he was crushed by his father's shameful behavior toward David. The next morning is agreed. Jonathan went out in the field and took a young boy with him to gather his arrows. Start running, he told the boy, so you can find the arrows as I shoot them. So the boy ran, and Jonathan shot an arrow beyond him. When the boy had almost reached the arrow, Jonathan shouted, The arrow is still ahead of you. Hurry, hurry, don't wait, message to David. So the boy quickly gathered up the arrows and ran back to his master. He, of course, suspected nothing. Only Jonathan and David understood the signal. Then Jonathan gave his bow and arrows to the boy and told him to take them back to town. As soon as the boy was gone, David came out from where he had been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last, Jonathan said to David, Listen to these words. These are words of loyalty. Go in peace. For we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Then David left and Jonathan returned to the town. David is on the run. Are you loyal? Do you keep your promises? Do you avoid people that you've made a promise to when they have problems? Are people in your life throwaway people? We live in a throwaway society. The other day our dryer broke and I couldn't decide whether or not to go buy another one or get it fixed. The price wasn't much difference. We got it fixed. But we're throwaway people now. We're throwaway people. That's our society. Betrayal is all around us. Politics. Sexual scandals all these sexual abuse cases that have come up, in every single one of them, those, those men 
that are doing that are betraying someone, themselves, the woman, their family. Man, we sure need to have a good dose of loyalty education in our world. And Lord's people, we are to be the loyal ones. We are to be loyal. Loyal to God, loyal to family, loyal to friends, loyal to the brothers and sisters of the Lord in your church. Father, God, lead us, help us, Lord, to learn from this scripture the value of being loyal, the value, Lord, of being true to other people, of keeping our promises and doing what we say we'll do and being stand-up people. Lord, help us to be faithful. And then we say, how can I help? What can I do to help you? Lord, help us to follow through and be loyal. I pray, Lord, that as we leave today, that 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 challenge of loyalty will penetrate our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forth.